Blog Talk Radio. Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young. Join America's leading relationship expert, top holistic life coach, and best-selling author, Dr. D. Yvonne Young, along with a diverse team of regular commentators, experts, and celebrity guests. Be entertained while being informed on the issues that affect you most. Don't miss it. Dr. D. Yvonne Young, providing you the tools you need to start living a profoundly extraordinary life. Happy Lunchtime America. Today is June the 19th, 2013, and today we have a show for you. Um, Before we get started on this thing, I want to give out this number and make sure you guys can call in. The number is 646-478-5610. Repeating that number is 646-478-5610. Today I'm going to be talking about a topic that I've called Before I Let Go signs of a dying relationship. I think that there's not an adult that is living, at least on planet Earth, that has not gotten into a situation where they hung on to something just a little longer than they should. It's kind of like going to Vegas or going to a casino. You have a winning hand, but instead of you taking your behind home when you should invariably, what do you do? You stay there and you try your luck, you try your luck, and lo and behold, everything that you just won is all down the toilet and now you're thumbing a ride back to your home state. Well, that's okay when you're gambling because you can call a friend. You can probably call a relative or even pull out a credit card or sign for a loan and get airfare, cab fare, bus fare, even ride the back of somebody's mule and get back to your house. But when it comes to your relationship, when you've tried and you've tried and you've tried again and you have to know, you know what, this this thing is over. Now, all of the things that had you rushing home, have you avoiding coming home, that phone call that would light your face up and make you smile and the butterflies you get in your stomach now turns to diarrhea and it is upset stomach, the way that your pupils would dilate and your smile would just go so bright, now all of a sudden your teeth are clenched and your eyes are squinting, all because you know, you know doggone well that that relationship that you had entrusted that you would put everything in that has flown the coop. So what do you do when what you have invested your time, your effort, your life, all the things that you hold so dear, you make commitments in front of your family, in front of your friends, you've uh, bought the ring and possibly even a new home together, but after it's all said and done, it's over. Well, today we're going to talk about that. There are a a jillion marriage books on the self-help shelf, and a vast majority of them are saying everything you want to know about your marriage while healing an ailing relationship is usually what we all want. Sometimes it's wise to know when it's time to let go. Now, mind you, every relationship is different, but there are some universal truths. For example, if one or both partners refuse to put in the effort to save the relationship, the engagement, or the marriage, I can assure you, as being one of the top relationship experts in the country, I don't care what you do. If you don't have two people willing to work at it, it will never get fixed. And I want you to write that down in case you've been lying to yourself and trying to drag someone thinking that if you just love them enough, if you just have a little bit more sex, you buy a little bit more lingerie or you buy another diamond or you take another vacation, that is going to fix it. Let me tell you something. It's not. Another fact is this, time. That clock starts ticking on the end of a relationship as soon as, as one of you puts your problems out in the open. And this is why I'm going to say that. 
The more that time passes, after that, without any effort made, the lower the odds are that you will stay together. And I'm going to talk about today uh, several signs that will let you know if it is time to call your relationship quits. Over the last few years, we've seen some really foolish things happen. And what I mean by foolish is people getting into relationships that knew damn well they should never have gotten together. I'm going to name a few, and you guys tell me if you agree with me, okay? Uh, Chad Ochocinco and Evelyn. Anybody, including Jose Feliciano and Ray Charles, saw that that hot mess was never going to work. At the end of the result, his relationship gone sour. Now, why did that come to an end? And, and as I give these examples, I want you to really stop and ask yourself, am I playing into this? Have I created similar circumstances for myself, and the handwriting is on the doggone wall, and it's just a matter of clicks and ticks and talks on the clock before your relationship goes on the rocks. Chad looked at this woman. He looked at every sign about her. And, ladies, don't think I'm being sexist because, believe me, I have an idiot that's a guy I'm going to use in a second to describe something very similar. But while we're on this thing, uh, Chad looks at this woman. He projects on her nothing but I am going to prove to the world that I can have my cake and eat it too. Now, ladies, I really, when I said I was going to use an idiot, I typically find that when you have a couple that is dysfunctional that gets together, that's because you have two people that don't know they're idiots that happen to be in a relationship. And I think Evelyn and Chad definitely fit this design. So look at Chad. First, here's a man that is a narcissist. It's all about him. Everything in his life is about bling, Bling, bling. And I'm not talking about diamonds. I'm talking about the circumstances that he orchestrates just to get attention from the media. There's defiance present. There is arrogance present. There's cynicism present. There's self-entitlement present. Now, let's flip the script and look at Evelyn. Here's someone that we probably would have seen better on a wrestling match that when they had, I think the show is called Basketball Wives, if I'm not mistaken. When she was on this show, every time you looked up, this woman was hopping over somebody's table with no draws on trying to fight them. And as you observed her behavior, you saw right then, here's a volatile temper. Here is all of this denial about being a contributor to her own misery, and these two people get together in a relationship, well, it is no secret that if you put two elements that are combustible together, you are going to have a hot mess, an explosion, a blow-up of the magnitude that you would think you were standing looking down the hole of a volcano, and that's exactly what happened. But maybe your situation just is not that obvious. So if it's not Here's what I want you to pay attention to. In the last few weeks, the last few months, or even maybe over the last few years, have you uncoupled? Typically, couples whose marriages or relationships are over or are nearly over have usually uncoupled or disconnected from each other. And this is what I mean by uncoupled. When you see that you're no longer spending time together, or if both of you start spending all your time at work, which we know that's a bunch of, well, I'm not going to say it's a bunch of bull, but, you know, because I spend a lot of time at work. However, I do come up for air. So if you see that now this person that probably works their blood off is not even coming up for air, you're not getting that text message, or they find more relief, when they're not around you or you find more relief when you're not around them, can't wake up, you are uncoupled. You are not engaged in your situation. And what happens is that disconnect is signature. Now, for those of you that, you know, like I said, this show is about knowing when to pull the plug. So let's say your situation is not that chronic, but you are starting to see the signs 
that, you know, we really are talking at each other and not to each other or with each other. You notice that all of a sudden you don't care or your mate doesn't care whether you have intimacy. And by intimacy, I don't necessarily mean getting your freak on and, you know, swinging from the chandelier. But by intimacy, I mean the little things like eye contact, touching. Uh, when I wrote my book, Break Up, Don't Break Down, um, one of the key things that I found in doing the research for that book was I looked for the traits that couples that have lasted 25, 35, 50 years, what do they have in common? And one of the first things that came to um, came to light was these couples touch for just no reason 10 to sometimes up to 15 times a day, if you have found that you and your mate avoid physical contact, and, and here's what I mean by touching. I don't mean groping each other, right, uh, putting somebody's hand down somebody's pants. I don't, I don't mean that. What I mean by touch is just, you know, that little hug, that walk by and you kind of like brush up against each other. Now, I didn't say bumping each other and almost knocked the other one down, but I mean just that little gentle brush, you know, kind of like when you uh, were flirting, people would just kind of uh, happen to be in your personal space and welcome to be there. And speaking of personal space, when you notice that you tend to not want your significant other in within that 18-inch zone of you. When they walk by and uh, want to lean and give you a kiss and you're kind of like, okay, you know, we get it over with. You're not turning and trying to put the lips there. You're really just hoping they kiss you on the cheek. Or when you're in public, there is no desire at all, what the hell soever, for you to hold hands, for you to touch. When you see things like that, that's when you know, man, look, Houston, we have a problem. That is a sign that your relationship is headed for trouble. Now, here's another one. As your spouse refuses to try, let's say that it's not you. Let's say that you happen to be the person that really wants to work this thing out and you are still in love, you are still totally present, you don't want somebody else, you're not cheating, you're not even considering looking at other people, let me give you a hint, wake your behind up, okay? You cannot make a horse drink. You can, and sometimes you can't even lead the damn horse to water. Matter of fact, if your horse is burping, it's probably getting full somewhere else. And so when you see that you have a spouse that refuses to try, that is a sign that there's a lot of damage, probably some insurmountable problems, and there's some things that you really are going to have a hard time rebounding from. And here's some of the stuff that I'm talking about. When you see that there has been infidelity, and let's say you were the person that did it, and I'm going to address this because this really gets weird, but when you cheated on your spouse, some people may say, okay, I forgive you, I'm giving you another chance. But if you start noticing that every time you go to the store, they're rolling your eyes at you like they want to pick up a black skillet and knock you upside your head, or every time you answer your phone or you send a text message, they're saying, who is that, or what are you doing? Or maybe there's this thing that I call the quiet storm where the person doesn't verbally say anything, but their actions are speaking so much louder than their words. It is uh, the equivalent of a long sexual drought or a long um, emotional drought with this person. You may be headed to a sign that it's time to call it quits and pull the plug. Now, how do you know that? Well, let me give you some examples. If one of you is repeatedly bringing up an issue, and every time this issue keeps coming up, you talk at it, you punch at it, but nobody wants to make the phone call and get the counseling. Nobody is letting the situation go. You just keep cycling this this mess over and over again, 
Well, I'm going to tell you what. That is a time to really consider pulling the plug because here's what's going to happen. If you keep doing the same thing and expecting a different outcome, what is it? That's called being a fool is what that's called. So don't go and play yourself. It's one thing when someone else plays you, but when you play yourself, the one thing that you can't be doing all of the trying if you keep doing all of the trying, your relationship is going to be headed nowhere really fast. So here's a good rule of thumb, and just I'm going to give you this. When people get hurt, they do not get over it overnight. So I'm not saying because one of you, uh, you know, didn't show up for an event with the other one or one of you forgot a significant day or you didn't want to go to a family event. I'm not talking about some crap like that. That stuff, if you've got someone that's that damn immature, you probably shouldn't be in a relationship with them in the first place. But I'm talking about this chronic stuff where there has been a betrayal or a breach of trust or something like that. That's when you know for a fact that maybe it's time to put a time limit on it. Now, Dr. D, what time limit should I put on it? I'm glad you asked. Here's the time limit, man. If it is more than nine months to a year, that's when you need to have what I call that good old-fashioned proverbial come-to-Jesus talk. And you ask the person, look, are you willing to forgive me? Are you willing, or if the person did you wrong, are you willing to forgive them? Because a lot of people hang on to relationships just out of selfishness, and they don't necessarily, I know you guys have heard this, ladies and gentlemen, I know uh, that you probably even experienced this, whether you were on, you were the victim of the victimizer, but there are people that they don't want you, but they don't want nobody else to have you either, so they just kind of like hang on, and they don't have the courage, and, and it's really a problem that they have their self-esteem, but they don't have the courage to let go of a dead situation. So instead of them doing the right thing and saying, you know what, uh, I, I'm trying to forgive you, I just can't, or instead of you saying, uh, I still love you and you still mean a lot to me, but I just can't get this thing or this image out the back of my head about you sleeping with my grandmother or whatever, uh, that's when you know that it is time to move on. Now, if you just stay tuned, we're going to take about a 45-second break, and we're going to be right back and have more of a discussion about the signs of when to let go. The show's topic today is Before I Let Go, Signs of a Dying Relationship. We'll be right back in about 60 seconds. Call me. You and I really, 
really, really need to have a long talk. <laughs> but if um, if it is really a relationship and it's something that you have declared yourself a couple to other people and to uh, where family members know you, people in your workplace know you, or you have started uh, developing a a culture or a social circle where even your identity is no longer individual but a collective identity, that crap can be embarrassing. And that is why most people have a hard time cutting ties. That's why a lot of people don't want to um, man up or put the big girl panties on now and say this thing has run its course, let's move on. But let's talk about what are some consequences of it. And believe me, man, there are some consequences to hanging on to a bad relationship that – that can cost you a whole lot more than the price that you want to. I'm going to tell you what some of those consequences are, and here's the first one. Let's say that the uh, what the situation really kicking you in the butt now is uh, got something to do with you not getting your needs met sexually, and when you don't get your needs met sexually. That is uh, a nightmare because what happens is you will have yourself in a set of circumstances where you are now not only prone to doing something stupid, but you're susceptible to that something stupid coming back to really bite you in the butt. And here's what you don't want to have happen. You do not want to find yourself in a situation where your relationship has gone sour, you are sleeping with someone else and your mate doesn't know that you're sleeping with someone else or your mate is cheating on you. And and here's some signs of this. Once you had a healthy sex life, one of both your libidos and sexual desires have just gone from exciting and experimental to dull and repetitive and now you got to decide not only why, but what am I going to do about this? If you know for a fact that you are hot-natured, if you know that you have been trying to rekindle the fire, uh, you're a guy, you're walking around, you know, with no draws on, with an erection, saying, hey, look over here, hey, it's me, you bumping into your woman and, hitting her with uh, an imaginary light pole, just use your imagination, folks. And the truth is they are not responding to you. That might be a sign that, you know, boo ain't interested in you anymore. If you're a woman and you're laying in the bed and almost doing a Chinese split while you're laying on your back and the man walks by and says, have you seen my brown socks? That might be an indication that your relationship is over. Another sign is that when someone rejects you initiating contact or they are always tired, they're always fatigued, they don't want to be bothered with your butt. But you knew for a fact that seven months ago, you knew for a fact that two years ago, you and this person, were having sex the minute and you could just get in private. You know, you couldn't even leave the restaurant good. You were off in the car doing what you do. Or when you got home, there's a trail of clothes from the door to the bedroom. Or you're jumping in the jacuzzi and you haven't taken all your clothes off yet. And now all of a sudden, the flame is gone. Look, that's just another sign it's time to move on. And the consequence of you not moving on gets really crucial. And I'm going to tell you why. With your next relationship, if you allow yourself to not have good exit timing, when you go to that next relationship, you're going to bring that crap with you. You're going to start assuming the minute that he or she does not want to engage you in an intimate way, you're going to be scratching your head going, hey, what's going on here? Because what happens with human beings is we learn by conditioned response. And here's what I mean by conditioned response. Um, There was this guy named Pavlov, and he had these dogs, right? For those of you that took freshman psychology, quit getting the big head, everybody didn't have a course, so let me explain this. What happened, Pavlov would ring this bell, and he'd feed the dog. 
So after so many times of doing this, Mama would ring the bell and the dog would start salivating, you know, tongue wagging, you know, slobber coming out of his mouth, anticipating something to eat. And all of us are just like that. We get a conditioned, anticipated response to positive and negative stimuli. So when you are in a relationship that is heading south and you start having association with all this negative junk, and, and again, the reason why you start becoming conditioned is because you are participating in your own dysfunction, and that's why cutting a relationship off when the sex goes, uh, and I'm not, and I want you to hear this, people, those of you out there that have been married for, let's say, uh, or engaged or cohabitating or just been together as a couple for more than two and a half to five years, if, if it's over two years and above, you are going to go through periods where you aren't trying to jump each other's bones. And I am going to tell you, if you don't want your relationship to end up uh, trapped in that spiral, you might want to be very alert to the onset of that and do something about it. Uh, here's another thing so you don't go throwing in the towel needlessly. So when a woman has a baby, and I'm saying this to the fellas and to you new moms out there, your libido may be affected, especially if it was a little girl, because you have an overabundance of female hormones flowing through your system. So if your woman just had a baby girl and it's been 60 days, uh, between 60 days and probably, let's say, with some women up to a year, that could be postpartum. And, ladies, I'm not going to say postpartum is an excuse because just because you have a postpartum, a man isn't, and he will he will cheat on you, he will leave you. So you need to give your man some attention, and I don't mean just looking at him staring, you know, like what you doing, but I mean some really hands-on attention if you get my drill. Because if you ignore this, that is going to be another one of those conditioned things where a person associates your lack of being attentive toward them and your lack of intimacy with them as a pattern. And if that happens, correct it or get away. Because as I'm going to tell you this, being a new mom is going to last so long, but that relationship could have lasted a hell of a lot longer if you went and got some help and you saw somebody like me or you didn't let me know. Um, I know I'm having... Uh, um, Jaylene Mack uh, that's going to call in. We're going to be talking about in the next segment some other uh, aspects of what happens when you don't let go, but I want to keep moving forward on this one. Then the next thing is when you find yourself in a relationship where at, at one point you really were friends, you know, uh, you really were pushing the right buttons, and um, the thing happen the way that they were supposed to. Here's what we end up doing. We find someone else that will talk to us. We find someone else that um, is going to push a button with us and make us feel special and make us feel accommodated. When you start seeing that you are receptive to that, that's a huge red flag that your relationship is headed for deep water and serious trouble. Now, what, I would, uh, what I'm going to suggest is that if you find yourself on a consistent opening up, talking about um, someone else, talking to someone else uh, about your problems, if you find yourself on a consistent basis wanting to look at someone else as the, an outlet for entertainment, for fun, you're sitting there having fantasies and imagining being on an island running around with a towel wrapped around you with this person, that might be a sign to you that your subconscious is setting you up to get rid of a situation that you really aren't in that much in the first place. And, and let me explain that to you. Our subconscious is very much protective of ourselves. Some people call this ego, and this is what I mean by ego. There are some people that will push buttons, and they will take our, our lives and our relationships um, to another level 
because they see a vulnerable spot. And when those people are picking up on the cues that our ego need is putting out there, and and what I mean by your ego need is your ego needs to be validated. Uh, it, your ego needs attention. It needs to have someone respect and appreciate it. Those things are going to uh, come to surface by you doing in, just inadvertent behaviors like uh talking, postures, the things that you may let these, what we used to call a portal slip, which I don't believe in that, but we'll accidentally say something that you know you should not say to someone um, that is not in a place in life with you that that would be appropriate. Those are the times that you have to ask yourself, is, is there something in me? really pulling me away from this? Am I really 100% in? And if you're not 100% in, if you're not all in, you're not in at all, okay? And that is just the bottom line. So when you find yourself uh, not being all in, ask yourself, do I really want to be in this thing at all? Is this really a relationship that I'm on board with? Because you are going to start having a lack of respect, and that's another sign your relationship is headed toward the guillotine. One of the most important aspects of a healthy marriage or a a healthy relationship is mutual respect. When that's gone, when one or the two of you constantly feels rejected, dismissed, you're being talked to in a condescending manner, or you just are always like in this bad place, relationships that reach this place are toxic. You're no longer civil, and all the discourse is going to be like either attacking or defending. Hey, give yourself 30 to 90 days to get that in check. If you don't get that fixed in, and I really do mean this, ladies and gentlemen, you get your calendar out, and you mark it. You get a big red marker or Crayola, and you just mark, you know what, X. This date, if this hadn't got any better, that's when you tell somebody, real simple, I think we need to get apart. Now, I'm going to say this for those of you that have taken vows. I don't believe and people that are married, and I'm not talking about y'all that are playing like you married. I mean, folks that really got the license and walked down an aisle and got God involved. Uh, if you're married, give that, give it that separation at least 90 days. And I'm not talking about give separation 90 days in the house. I don't know where in the hell people think that being separated and both y'all in the same house, sleeping in the same bed, sitting on the same toilet, you know, that's not separated. When I say separated, I mean that you were mature enough to go ahead and pack your stuff and go stay with Big Mama or Amy or go get you an apartment or what have you. If you, after being separated for 90 days, neither one of you has made any effort to try to fix this thing, to try to get some counseling, to talk it out, to really sit down and pay attention to not only how you feel that you're being slighted and how you're being victimized, but look at your contribution to this problem. If either one or both of you have not reached that point, it is time to pull the plug because, again, what you're doing is, and this is especially true if kids are involved in this mess that you're calling a relationship, when um, your children are watching this, you're teaching them that dysfunctional is normal. And I'm going to give you, and and I really suggest you go to com and order Break Up, Don't Break Down. I'm not trying to just sell a book. But it's uh, dot com and get that book because here's what happens. When your children are little, and by little, I mean between one and four years old, and you and your spouse are tripping, they're going to start wetting the bed, having nightmares. Uh, if they have a little sibling younger than them, they're going to probably start mistreating them, breaking their toys. That's a sign that your silly shit is affecting an innocent child. 
if your child is, let's say, between 5 and 10 years old, and then they start mistreating animals, acting out at school, um, not doing their homework, grades are dropping, that's a sign your silly mess is affecting your child. If your child is between 11 and, let's say, 16, you are really headed for trouble if you don't uh, put an end to your dysfunctional uh, relationship because that kid is probably either pre-puberty and the Mr. Puberty. Hormones are off the chart, especially in a kid between 13 and 17, and they are going to go and turn to another kid because misery loves what, people? Right. Misery loves company. And if you are bringing your bullshit into the house every day, just because your kid didn't throw a knife at you does not mean you're not cutting them up because you and your spouse or your significant other are too immature and so comfortable with dysfunction that you don't have the respect for yourself or your children to leave one another. So please make sure that you don't set your kid up to go and start having sex, to uh, be uh, prone to engaging in an inappropriate relationship with a, a teacher at school or a coach or a neighbor or a family friend, and God forbid that they start doing other things like blaming themselves because the two of you are too selfish and immature to admit that, you know what, we need to get apart. If you are staying in your relationship because you need the, your spouse's or your significant other's financial support, you know, whatever you sow, you are going to reap. So just be man or be woman enough to say to that person, you know what, I'm sorry. This thing is it's just not working for me. And maybe it's not that I don't love you, I don't care about you, but it's just not what it was. And I don't want to betray you or hurt you, and I need some help to reestablish myself. So if that person ever did love you or ever did care about you, if you approach them the way that I just said, they will probably be willing to give you some financial resources to help you get on with your life. But if you stay there and continue to do the BS that you're doing and not being man enough or woman enough, to uh, let go of the familiar, what you are going to spend or have to pay, you will not have enough money or resources to repair the damage that you have done not only to yourself but to your children. Anyway, with that said, you're listening to Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back in about 60 seconds. See you in a minute. Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young. Today we're talking about before I let go, signs of a dying relationship. If you want to get in on this conversation, you can call us at 646-478-5610, repeating 646-478-5610. The one thing that I want to touch on now, and we just got to be talking about the effects of not owning up to your relationship being over and the consequences that it has for your children. But let's talk about the consequences that it has for you. You know, as time progresses, there are things that just go on that show us that we are really headed up the wrong path. And when we start heading up this wrong path, there's going to always be somebody that is miserable, too, because as we know, I said earlier, misery loves company. And when you find yourself going backwards in life in an attempt to move forwards, you're going to get just stuck right in the middle. And the stuck in the middle with is definitely you. Now, what takes place with this is that you're going to have yourself um, – Robbed of a lot 
because those things that you do while engaging these situations are going to have consequences that, man, are are just totally, uh, totally um, devastating to you in the long and short term. Now, here's the first one. Most of the time when relationships go south, what do you do? People that have been removed out your damn life for a reason, you go take your behind right out to life's graveyard with some of you are out there with an excavator while others are digging with a shovel and some other fool has a pick. And what do you dig up? You dig up your ex-lover. There's a reason they are an ex. But let's go down this path and learn your lesson real quick. Infidelity is an enormous hurdle for a relationship that's already struggling to overcome. But just ending that bad relationship is not enough. For a relationship to get past either you're cheating or the other person's cheating and the unfaithful, the other half of the unfaithful couple, you know, figures, well, you know what, I need someone to talk to. I'm going to call an old friend. Let me tell you something. No matter what you think or what someone is telling you, 99.9% of the time, there is no such thing as innocence in that type of relationship, and nothing good can come out of it. Now, I already know some of y'all are sitting up thinking, oh, but Dr. D.C., you're trying to justify your bullshit, but I'm going to cut you down right at the knees. This it can't, isn't good because there is a thing, and in the Christian Bible it says the appearance of sin is worse than sin itself. What that means is you don't have to be screwing this person. You don't have to be um, having, you know, little booty calls and uh, noonday excursions or whatever. It's just the fact that there's the emotional betrayal, which to someone that's already hurt, is somebody that probably already has trust issues with you, that's already enough for a damn nightmare. There is no such thing as a healthy resolve when you involve someone. And I'm going to say this to you gay people out there, because if you're gay, this doesn't exempt you. Because in in heterosexual relationships, someone of the opposite sex is threatening, well, hey, if you're gay, duh, someone of the same sex is equally as threatening too. People do not feel good about you resolving stuff that you can't resolve with them when you are allegedly using someone else as a coping strategy to resolve your problem. Homie, it does not work. Chill. Here's what you're going to get. You're going to get a hot ghetto mess when you try this. Think about it like this. Pretend you are riding in your car. You decide to stop at Starbucks and grab a latte, and unbeknownst to your significant other, you just happen to stop at the wrong damn place at the right time, and you see them elbows on the table, leaned over, talking to someone else. Now, that doesn't mean you can't really have sex in Starbucks, or if you can, I'm not going to get any more coffee there. But, you know, there's no way in heck that someone could say that you were doing anything appropriate. But just stop and think of all the emotional stuff that would trigger. And if you have already proven to be untrustworthy or you're dealing with someone that you don't trust, they're going to, out of their own guilt, feel like, okay, she's getting me back. He's getting me back. Or you're going to put yourself in a situation where now this person that, you know, when you went to sit on the toilet, they were looking through your phone type thing, and they're going to be seeing these text messages. And the more that you reach out to this ex-lover or this ex-significant other, and God forbid it was an ex-spouse, and they start seeing a message like, I was just thinking about you. Now, that doesn't mean that they were screwing you. That doesn't mean that you guys are uh, doing anything inappropriate. But here's what's up. The other person doesn't know what the hell that means. 
So their imagination is going to run really freaking wild. So if you are doing this and you're finding yourself engaging your exes or your ex-lovers or ex-spouses, maybe you should just get out of your relationship altogether because that's a sign you have dependent personality disorder. And, yes, folks, that is really a condition. Dependent personality disorder is when you just can't stand to be alone with you. I got news for you. If you can't stay alone, if you can't stand being alone with you, why in the hell would somebody else want to be alone with you? Just think about that for a minute. Now, speaking of being alone with you, let's look at another situation. The reason why you don't have this person out your house is because you, I mean, out your life is because they're in your house. You jumped into a relationship that you've been involved in for three weeks or a month or three months, and you moved in with somebody because you are just so in love. And now a year has gone by, six months has gone by, a couple of years, and the, you're sleeping with the enemy. You realize that you have gotten yourself into a situation that you just can't unwrap, and you know that this thing needs, but ending it may cost you more than you think. Well, I've got some good news, and I am going to have Jaylene Mack join us when we talk about how to get someone not only out of your head, but out of your house. We'll be back in 60 seconds. not 
legally separated where it, it affects anything in terms of property or, or something of that uh, respect. But um, we do use the date of separation when we file for divorce, when we deal with the uh, final divorce. We do identify what that separate date is. Now, I'll tell you why that's important. The last day that you decide to live together as husband and wife or function as husband and wife, because I've done divorces where they stay in the same house through the whole divorce, and then that person moved out, whoever was going to uh, uh, leave the home to the other spouse, moved out and moved on. Um, but that date is important because it determines when your liability ends with, to the other in terms of um, any new bills created. Somebody decides to go out and get a credit card, something like that then you can say, I'm only responsible for debt and uh, anything affecting this, this this marriage, et cetera, when it comes to liability through this date. You know, now it's obvious that if you have a home that you guys have together and, and that's going to get resolved through the divorce decree itself, through the final date of dissolution. So you're going to deal with those kind of debts later. You're going to deal with uh, with debts like, you know, the ongoing card note in both your names. You're going to deal with all that through the divorce itself. But at that day of separation, people begin to live their own lives separately, so they incur new liabilities. So that date is very uh, important to identify when one spouse's um, responsibility ends towards whatever. Okay, let me ask you another one, another question. Now, that's Mm -hmm. for folks that got married the right way. What about mm-hmm. these people that are playing house? Because I had a, I had, I've had several situations where there is the threat of someone coming back and claiming common law marriage and and like in community property states. That's a freaking nightmare. Because in my mm-hmm. in my guesstimation, because I'm thinking you are not even really married to this fool. But mm-hmm. if you have gone out in public and said that you're married or you are sharing, like, I guess, some insurance policies or you're declaring yourself as, uh, as a married couple or whatever in front of friends and relatives, uh, tell us what is the real definition, one, of common law, and when can this common law thing end up biting you in the ass and how can you avoid it? Sure. Of course, we have traditional marriages where you pay a, a, a fee, a license fee to your city uh, to be married. You get a, someone to officiate the wedding, like your pastor, who's ordained to do so, and then you hold a, a formal ceremony. That's the traditional way of getting married. But you do have non-traditional ways where you can cut out some of the expenses and, you know, maybe you just decide to get married in your, in your backyard kind of thing. Um, but uh, as far as common law marriage, Texas looks at three points. We look at do you have intentions of being married, husband and wife? Do you live together as husband and wife? And do you hold yourself out to the world, to third parties as husband and wife? If you meet those three prongs, and those were the, those were the intentions and all those things have been done, then you're uh, considered married. One other thing that you can do to kind of seal that is to file a declaration of marriage with the county that you live in. So that's going to be a formal document that you fill out saying we're married, husband and wife, and have some other stuff to fill in, like, you know, the date is effective and stuff of that nature. And you file that with the county. You get your file stamp copy, and if you might you might need it for, say, uh, insurance reasons or whatever to show to somebody else, see, we're married, because maybe they just don't believe you by just saying it. So that's some other um, proof that you can show that you're married. Now, getting into common law, however you did it, if you are married and the common law marriage exists and it's acknowledged by the, uh, the court when you file for your divorce, then you can actually get a divorce, but you have up until a year to get divorced if it's a common law marriage. So there's a statute of limitation to go and file for your divorce because if you just separate and you move on on your own and you start living your lives and you never do anything about it, then there's no need to even worry about the divorce in that respect. But that's assuming that that, that fits better for somebody that doesn't have uh, property to split up. You know, they don't have bills in each other's names. Um, you know, there's no joint responsibility, no titles to exchange. That works best in that case. So if you're calling yourself common law marriage and you, you're you not agreeing on the dissolution of this relationship, I would go ahead and file for that divorce within that year's time, period. Wow. Even if the statute runs, in other words, what you're saying is if you're dating a damn fool that doesn't want to let you go, 
and unbeknownst to you, they have gone and filed some paperwork or they have gone and incurred some debt. Even though you didn't go down before Passa and have a cake with the tuxedo and the wedding dress, you can still have the same amount of problems that someone would have in a traditional marriage. So my question is, how do you get your ass out of this and how do you do it quickly? Right. Well, obviously, there, I mean, there's there's a uh, minimum time period that has to pass. If assuming that you're common law and you're filed for divorce, or you're married traditionally and you're and you're filed for divorce, there's a minimum time period here that you can be divorced. So once you file, there's a 60 day waiting period before you can go to the judge and say, hey, we want out of this. We want your final blessing court. And there's obviously some things in the middle if there's no agreements in place, but that's the minimum waiting period. Um, let's say you're not married. Or, or you're common law married, but you're not going through a divorce proceeding. But you want to move mm-hmm. on, and this person just doesn't want to leave. You know, I got as much right to be here as you got. You know, they've been paying, paying rent, whatever it is, to make them feel like they're not going anywhere, even if it's just ego. Then you may have to go and file for an eviction. Now that's assuming you have standing to do so. Like it's your home, your name's on it. That person's name's not on it, but you want them out, and they don't want to leave because they've been living there the last three years or whatever. You may have to file for an eviction to get them out, okay? Give them a three-day notice and go down, uh, take them to court to, to get them out, get their stuff out. That's one way of doing it. Obviously, before that, you can pass them out and, and pack their stuff up for them and come home and the locks will change. That's another way of doing it. But well, what um, happens if you do that? Jay, I'm sorry to interrupt you again, but you said no, okay. some, like, really deep stuff. What happens when someone has married this fool? male or female, and it's like, you know what, you're a serial cheater. You never want to compromise. You don't want to meet my needs. We don't communicate. We, you know, I'm, you spending money I don't agree with. you got to go. you out. I'm sorry. I come home, my house smells like weed, beer bottles on my damn table with water circles on it. you out of here. And you pack mm-hmm. that person's stuff, and you change the locks. One, can you legally do that with someone that's been cohabitating and paying rent? And two, if you do that, what do you have to be worried about? You know, those kind of matters are civil matters, period. You know, Mm -hmm. obviously, like I said, when you're married, when you're married and you live in a home together, unless that home was separate property, then you don't really have a lot of control over that situation. But even when you're married and you're living in a home that is separate property, but you've been married for so long, there's some amount of community property interest in separate property if it's like income property. So you kind of got to, it gets kind of technical in that regard. But, but because you live together and there is a community estate in place, it's not so easy to kick that person out without going through a divorce. You call the police, wow. the police not going to do anything because it's not a it's not a criminal matter, it's a civil matter. Okay. If let's so let's get away from marriage or community interest, right? And you're just talking mm-hmm. about people who live together who are boyfriend girlfriend. Okay, been dating mm-hmm. about whatever it is, but they had a long term relationship. If it's your house, okay, the only thing they've been doing is helping with bills. They have some belongings there. If it's me, and I want them out, and and I and I don't want to just want them out because I want to cause them harm. You know, I want it to rain on them and stuff like that. But I want them out because it's an abusive, it's a, an abusive situation. Okay, when it's abusive, I would do whatever I got to do to get that person out. And if it's changing locks, so be it. If the police want to show up, I'll deal with it. But it's not a criminal matter. It's just not. If that person feels like they have some type of civil rights that have been violated, let them file a lawsuit. I deal with it later. Okay, but this is my house, and I'm changing the locks. There's nothing to stop me from changing the locks to my house. I have it only has my name on it, and we are not husband and wife. You follow me? So, uh, and I don't so care if the how other much person comes back, let's say the other person gets a locksmith, and they've been living there, and, you know, they feel like I've been paying rent, I've been living there. This, you may have your name on the lease, but I'm helping pay the rent. That's my television in your bedroom. That's my television in your living room, and that's my dog. You know, even though he bit me, that's still my dog. I want him back. 
Is there anything that they need to be concerned about or aware of from a legal standpoint that uh, could actually give them right to have access granted, or is that just going to be a civil matter that needs to be dealt with later? Well, ideally, ideally, if it's your house, you change the locks. This person has no no right to be there once you once you um, take away their authorization to be there, right? But they go out mm-hmm. and hire like a locksmith. Okay, the locksmith changes the the locks, and they're only going to do that if they if they are shown that they should only do this. They've give, been given a driver's license or some proof that this is that person's home. You know, copy the mm-hmm. deed, driver's license, whatever. Because otherwise. Anybody can go and call a locksmith to change anybody's locking door at any house. So one that they would need to show proof. Obviously, they can't show that proof. That won't even happen. But if they show proof, it's still a civil matter. You know, you might have a problem and a complaint against the locksmith, but how are they to know? Because they had a driver's license with that address on it and said they lived there. So you really don't have a lot to take up with the locksmith, but it goes back to that that um, ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend that you're going to have to deal with. But it, be, it becomes a civil matter. It's still a civil matter at the end of the day unless you see criminal trespass. You know, I told you you can't be here. I asked you to stay away from my property. You know, you're causing me harm. You're causing my property harm, whatever. Now you're starting to get into criminal matters. And of course, you can call the police and the police deal with it. But it's just such a fine line when you're talking about domestic disputes, Okay. There's some criminal implications at a certain point, but most of it is civil. And so you call the police. The police, they used to deal with domestic violence, domestic disputes. They're going to ask a number of questions, and they're going to decide whether or not somebody's crossed the line and, not, and now it's a criminal offense. You know, it's, it's kind of hard to address it when it's hypothetical, but they'll determine that. If they feel like it's borderline there, usually they make a call to separate people. You know, hey, look, you go cool off and go go to your spot for the next 24 hours or whatever, and, and you go on inside. You know, they usually try to, try to handle that. They don't really want to arrest anybody if they don't have to. So they do try to make some um, decisions on the spot, a little bit of mediating on the spot if they feel like this is a domestic dispute and uh, it needs to get resolved a little differently than arresting somebody, okay? But obviously if you have some physical abuse or something like that, some threats going on, somebody can get arrested. Okay, you can cross that line and it can get, it can get there. And I don't want to do a, a job with the police officer. That's something that they have to make a call on, and the DA office has to make a decision to accept the charges. But just generally, if you're talking straight civil matter, it's just, you know, it's my house, my name's on it, you are a guest as long as I allowed you to be a guest because you were only my boyfriend. So what you help me with a couple of deals? We're going to look at that as a gift. You know, you were just, you were just covering uh, the expenses that you brought to the table as well. You know, and no, you're not getting that back because you benefited from it. I mean, there's a, a lot of ways to look at it. But, um, again, you know, eviction is is uh, is one way of getting somebody else, divorce, changing your locks, whatever. But you have to evaluate your own circumstance to decide what makes sense and what fits. You know, and you certainly don't get in the habit of, you know, I, I didn't put so-and-so out because it's my house. I can do what I want. I'm going to throw that stuff away. We don't want to wait until exhale situation where you go and burn, you know, the person's clothes. <laughs> because, you know, and, that, and that, that's a movie. That's a movie. But in real life, in a real courtroom setting, a judge can make you pay for that. You know? Well, in real life, people property. probably pour the gasoline on the other person and not the clothes. Well, oh, let me, let me ask yeah. one other thing, Jaylene, and we're going to wrap. How can people, if they want to get in contact with you and um, just get some advice, uh, how can they reach you? Yes, my number is 713-661-6225. That's 661-MAC, M-A-C-K, 713-661-6225. If you forget it, six six one Mac. Okay, hey Jimmy, thank you for joining us, and we always uh, appreciate your commentary because it sounds again, ladies and gentlemen, that was Jaylene Mac, who is an uh, entertainment attorney and also a commensurate lawyer, and is very uh, familiar with family issues. Before we uh, wrap the show today, I just want to leave you a few extra points, and this is how you know that your relationship is—it's time to pull the plug and call it a day. 
the I'm gonna give you just a few simple things. One, you're daydreaming about other people. Two, you get bored. You are bored with this thing and you don't care whether it comes or goes. Three, for no reason someone says good morning, how you doing? And you go, No, how you doing? You know, you just pick and fights for less of a reason. You start when the other person talks about, well, we want to, when we get a house or when we do this, that means that you're avoiding future plans. And last but not least, you don't get affectionate. If any of those things are happening, it's probably a sign that you need to let go of a dying relationship. Anyway, until Sunday night at 730, you've been listening to Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young in America. I just want to leave you with a thought. If you don't love you, who in the hell will? Anyway, I'll talk to you on Sunday. Now, have a great day. Love you. See you soon.